0: Welcome to Financial Planning for Oil and Gas Professionals, hosted by certified financial planners Justin Brownlee and Jared Machen of Brownlee Wealth Management. The only podcast dedicated to those of you in the oil and gas profession to help you optimize investments, lower future taxes, and grow your wealth. Learn more and subscribe today at brownleewealthmanagement.com.
1: Welcome back to another episode of FPOG, Financial Planning for Oil and Gas Professionals. This week on the podcast, we're answering the age-old metaphysical question of what is financial planning? Uh it's definitely a buzzword in our industry and I think if somebody asked us if we ran a financial planning firm, I think we would say yes, but what is that what does that even mean? Uh we're going to like this podcast is really simple. We're going to talk about what it is and what it isn't because it's definitely definitely a buzzword and sometimes it's just fluffy and full of empty promises and in a marketing ploy, but sometimes it's it's really meaningful. It can make a huge difference on your life. So we're just going to really answer the question, what is financial planning? And Justin, how do you want to open up this conversation? You want to talk first about what it is or what it isn't? And both of those things are really connected.
0: I think let's start with the negative. So let's go, what is financial planning not first?
1: Yeah. And so what financial planning isn't Right is like first off, financial planning is not a retirement projection. There's this thing called a Monte Carlo simulation where you basically put a bunch of uh bunch of assumptions into a nice planning software. If you spend this much, if inflation is this, if investment returns are this, uh, if Social Security is this, how you know do I outlive my money? And that's sequ- uh, what it seeks to answer. And what a Monte Carlo simulation does is uh, you can have six percent investment returns, but You know, 6% is never a linear 6%. There's a lot of volatility. So it looks at a bunch of different uh, variances that gets to 6% annualized investment returns with various volatility assumptions. It shows you how many different environments do you succeed. Um, But the problem with a Monte Carlo projection, it's not really worth anything, right? Because we know assumptions aren't actually going to be what happens in the real world. Uh, And especially for a lot of our clients, that the answer is, will I outlive my assets? I don't even need to run a Monte Carlo to tell you that, right? If if you have a, if you're spending one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year and you have a five million dollar portfolio, your mechanic can probably do enough and knows, knows enough about the rule of four to know, huh? They're they're probably not going to outlive their assets. So a lot of times when people say financial planning, they say, they think of a financial plan and they think of this big thirty page document that's got all every uh, every assumption you could ever imagine and it shows your Odds of success, and and I'm not knocking that. I'm not saying that's not helpful, and I'm not saying we don't do that with clients. Sometimes we do, especially if there's uncertainty about, hey, can I can I you know live this way, or can I make this purchase, or can I do this thing? Um, but that is not in any way financial planning.
0: Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. We were talking before we hit record, and uh, I I do firmly believe that financial planning is not simply a retirement projection. With Monte Carlo analysis. Although, I mean, Jared, we did this uh, twice in the past 12 months or so for a person who's retiring from ExxonMobil. Even though this is the classic scenario of this person retiring from ExxonMobil, well, yeah, they anyone, anyone could look at their balance sheet, their assets, and in you know, reasonable investment assumptions and say they're going to not outlive their money barring something apocalyptic happening. And so I think that's a great place to start. Financial planning is not simply a retirement projection or Monte Carlo analysis. Make it a little bit more specific here. So if you go on to netbenefits.com, if that's who's uh, your 401k provider, uh, they can um, certainly run you a income projection, a retirement scenario projection. And that is something that is a, a very good part, a very tiny fractional part of financial planning, but that's also something that you could get within four to six minutes on a Google search. So there's not a lot of value there. You probably shouldn't pay an investment firm $20,000 a year if that is the level of planning that you're getting and it stops there.
1: What else would you say isn't financial planning?
0: Let's see, I will call out specifically. Um, you know, we had a client bring this topic up and totally agree with it. Uh, it is not getting handed a 30, 40, 50 page document uh, from some advisor. And if you're, you know, watching us on YouTube, you can see that I put advisor in, in air quotes there. That'll be our third point on what financial planning is not. Uh, but it's not, you know, you meet with some investment firm and they detail some 30, 40 page financial plan. Um, and they map out your next 40 years of life all in this document that they print out and turn into a little booklet. And let's dissect that for a second, Jared. Why would that not be financial planning?
1: I mean, it's static, right? It's it's incorrect the moment you print it. There's presumptions on tax rates. There's presumptions on investment returns. There's assumptions on what you think you're going to want to do as an 80-year-old. And all of those things are going to be wrong. They they just are. There's no way you get it all right, and so inherently it's just it's the best guess based on today's information, right? Which is just very inconclusive. So even for that to begin to be helpful, you need to do it on an annual basis. But then also too, right? Like it's really just covering the okay, am I going to deplete my money? Which is just part of what even is a what a financial plan should be.
0: I want to just repeat something you just said because I do think it's the entire point here. Static. So the problem with getting handed a 40-page booklet from any random investment firm and them calling this this is your financial plan. It is a a document that was created whenever they hit submit in the software. And you know obviously every one of the ten thousand investment firms in the world has access to that same software. So there's nothing special about it. Uh, but once they hit submit and create that document, there are hundreds of variables and factors that are all relevant to your next forty years of life that are changing constantly, Jared. Interesting question for us recording today. What has the stock price of Facebook or Meta done today?
1: Meta, uh, we are recording on February second, and last I checked, it was up about uh, it was up about twenty five percent.
0: Okay, so if your if a random person at a random investment firm creates this forty page booklet that is called your financial plan, and you own a, a concentrated position in that stock. Well, everything about your financial life has changed. Everything about your tax situation has now changed. Your estate plan has also changed now. Uh, so so many different variables in one trading day. We're not even done. I mean, the market's got 45 more minutes that it's open. Uh, another question, Jared, what has international small cap value done in the past three months? It's
1: up, up over 20%.
0: So, in a very short period of time, a part of the available publicly traded stock universe has exploded upwards. So, I want to repeat that. The problem with a a giant booklet that a firm might give you and they say, This is your financial plan. Well, the problem is it's a, a static snapshot. And right when that thing is printed, there are a thousand variables that all impact your tax return this year, your next 30 years of tax returns, your estate plan, your uh, family gifting strategy, your charitable giving strategy your portfolio itself, your insurance and risk management plan uh, your retirement income plans there's so many different little variables and a huge portion of those variables are always changing always evolving and so I think that's that's helpful to frame that any sort of static document is not is not going to be the highest level of financial planning because everything in your life is changing all the time.
1: Yeah, and you touched on it like the, the easy way to say what is not financial planning, it's not static and it's not one dimensional, right? Like if you think about the 40-page printout, it's will I deplete my assets? And the answer is probably no, depending on your situation. But if the answer is no, that's not that's not the only question you're asking. Is my investment portfolio appropriate? Is am I optimizing my lifetime tax rates? Is my estate plan in order? Am I adequately insured so that I'm not, I don't have a tail risk that wipes out, you know, the good path and the good work that I've done? Right. So like, so that's what is not a financial plan. It's not static and it's not one dimensional. And Justin, the other thing I would add because it's a very big buzzword. We were talking about it before. It's not just like touchy feely and it's not just an idea, right? So like, we'll talk about and about what it is about you know, how it's extremely personal and it's, it matters. It's, but you deciding, Hey, like if you deciding what's important to you is really what the first part of financial planning, but that's not a, that's not a financial plan that tells you nothing about how you want to get there. Right. What are the values you want to pass down to your kids? Uh, how, how do you want to support them in education? Um, when do you want to retire? Right. those are hugely important things about a financial plan, but that's, that really just charts the destination. Uh, and and an, a lot of advisors can help you do that, but that tells you nothing about what is the best way in light of what you've said you've wanted to get you to said destination, right? So, so it's not just it's not just ideas about what you want your future to look like. Yes, that is a huge part of it. But if somebody's just helping pull that out of you, but they're not providing any ideas about how you might get there, that's not a financial plan.
0: Well put, well put. Uh, do you think that we can finish up what a financial what financial planning is not by the uh, broker or hybrid advisor? Point.
1: Yes. You, I feel like you know that world and you have more of a bone to pick. Just more energy for that, for just squashing that idea. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you take this one. What what do you mean by that? It's not a broker.
0: Okay. So financial planning is not a relationship with a broker or hybrid advisor. And I want to preface this and you know, I, I've said this before, and I, I genuinely do mean it. There are plenty of really good people that work at firms that are not fee-only fiduciary firms. So, meaning, as a as an investment firm or as a financial advisor, you can either be a fee-only. You have no. We're a fee-only firm, Jared. We have no possible way of accepting a commission or kickback. So, there's not mutual fund companies that pay us money to bribe us, to get us to put our clients' money in their funds. But the vast majority of investment firms in America are structured that way. So they are receiving kickbacks and commissions. Um, And so you can either be fee only, you could be a total commission broker. There's not very many of those. So really the, the other option, the third option is a hybrid who can earn commissions or their firm can receive kickbacks. And they could also at times say that they're a fiduciary. So um, like I just said, I'm, we're not, we're not going to spend any time degrading specific firms or anything like that. But I do believe this is a point that has to be discussed because there are massive legal ramifications there. So um, if you're with a fee-only advisor, there's a legal obligation that they are a fiduciary at all times, all of the time. If you're at a hybrid advisor. And again, the majority of investment firms, the majority of of assets in America today are held at conflicted hybrid firms that in my opinion, you should avoid. Uh, So the legal barrier there is those hybrid advisors that you should probably avoid. They do not have to be a fiduciary at all times. They also don't have to disclose to you when they're being a fiduciary and when they are not. Um, And so their firm or they can receive commissions or kickbacks from third parties for selling specific things. So let me just jump to the chase. The big big legal point I'm trying to make here, if you end up suing your financial advisor for some reason, well, if you were with a fee-only advisor in the courtroom, that fee-only advisor has has to meet the fiduciary standard, the highest standard. If you sue your financial advisor for selling you something that you you really don't need at all and was detrimental to you, in the courtroom, they are actually going to take the position that they were never holding themselves out as a fiduciary. So they are going to make the legal case, and they they can. This is absolutely correct. Uh, Their legal position is that we are not fiduciaries. Instead, we are salespeople. And so we are not subject to the fiduciary standard. Instead, we're subject to the much lower suitability standard. So the fee-only crowd who has to be fiduciaries at all time, they are subject to the Investment Advisors Act, uh, and they are legally giving advice. If you are working with a a hybrid broker of any sort, uh, they are not always subject to the advisory fiduciary standard. Uh, they do not they do not have to meet that standard because they would say in a courtroom we were not giving advice, we were acting as salespeople. So I think that's a point that has to be made. Financial planning is not working with a hybrid advisor of any sort that has any ability to sell you something and receive kickbacks or commissions.
1: Yeah, I would say yeah, financial planning is not you being the supporting actor. Right? Like that that's essentially what that means cuz like financial planning is about you and if if you're being sold to, the star of the show is the product or the mutual fund manager that they're pitching or the strategy that they have, right? So at the end of the day the thing they're excited about is not you, it's the strategy and they're just trying to put you into the strategy. So Uh, You're not a supporting actor in the financial planning process.
0: Last point, you you certainly have to watch out for titles here. And Michael Kitsis has really been on a campaign for years now to try and propose legislation that, that outlaws using titles that confuse the public. So if your advisor, again, in air quotes, is called a wealth management advisor or a financial planner or a financial planning advisor, their title means nothing. And if they were sued in a courtroom, they in their company would strongly say that we were not advisors. We're not subject to that Investment Advisors Act. We are salespeople. So gotta be careful with titles.
1: Yeah, let's switch gears. we've talked about, and a lot of these will just be inversions of what financial planning isn't. But Justin, what would you say financial planning is?
0: I think financial planning is giving every dollar a purpose, I think financial planning is aligning your money with your values and the life you're trying to live. And then I think financial planning is high technical skill that solves your greatest value financial problems.
1: Love it. Love it. So let's talk about let's so let's just take take each of those. So giving every dollar a purpose. What does that mean?
0: Well, your financial plan and your financial life is essentially going to be the end product. It's going to be the culmination of many little decisions that you make. And so great financial planning is dozens and dozens of little decisions that are made correctly over long periods of time. And a great example of that is over long periods of time, you're probably looking at a lot of dollars. And our job as financial planners is to help you make great decisions, putting a lot of dollars to work in the right areas at the right times what would you add jared
1: no i mean that's great it's really just right like optimization right is really really a part of it and and intentionality right deciding hey here's the best way to do that and working with a professional to say hey here's here's what i want to do is this the best way to do it here's what i think or oh hey there's this type of account you're not thinking about or hey here, there's this strategy you're not thinking about it's it's really setting an intention of hey here is where i want to go and and mapping out okay how do I get there? Right. Cause that's, that's a remarkable thing about financial planning is like, it's exactly like what you said. It's kind of underwhelming at the time. Cause really it's not, I'm not going to fix you over overnight and you're just going to be exactly where you want to be. It's, Hey, how do we orient you in the right way to where if you take these small steps over an extended period of time and adapt as your goals and tax laws change, you end up in a spot 10, 20, 30 years from now where you want to be.
0: I think the last thing I'll say on that point, uh, the most common question I would get asked um, as an advisor, I was especially thinking in my prior position, and I'm actually not making this up. A lot of people, when they get on a podcast, they'll say, the question that I'm always asked is this, and it's really just a question that they wanted to answer that they made up. I was genuinely asked this all the time, and that question is, am I in a good spot or am I in a bad spot? Some version of that question is what everyone wanted to know. Am I financially good or am I financially bad? and i would change it it doesn't matter a whole lot if you're financially good or financially bad today the much better question is am i going in a good direction financially or am i going in a bad direction once you answer that you can then answer a second question how fast am i going in a good or bad direction
1: but let's so let's talk about the second one which is aligning right there is giving every dollar a purpose which is kind of setting an intention And then, but also it's almost like two kind of goes first, which is right. Like aligning your monies with your values, which is kind of setting a direction, which means, Hey, like, where am I going? Am I building towards the destination? You know, where do I want to go? What do I want to do with this money? Money's a tool to amplify relationships, time, you know, resources, whatever it is you're optimizing for. It's it's a, it's a tool. So what would you say about the, the second point and how does that fit into financial planning?
0: You need to figure out what you want your life to look like. Over the next year, five years, ten years, and beyond, uh, you know, I'm recording this podcast, and we're here in Fort Worth, and we've just got an enormous snowstorm, ice storm over the last several days. So we are on day three of every kid being in uh, the house. They're all snowed in. There's no school. Um, and so my priority, what I want, is to be a really excellent husband, father, and and build into um, my family that that I love being around. Uh, and stuff. So I mentioned that to say, you know, what you want out of life and your values are not always what the highest financial bottom line is.
1: Yeah. Uh, Like life optimal is rarely financially optimal, right? And like, like we've talked about this in past podcasts, but good financial planning optimizes for your life and considers the financial implications, doesn't optimize for your finances, right? Like those are, there's, you're you're considering both of those things but the order of operations matters so yeah you, you're exactly right of like hey like what is important to you because because it was funny the, the the first question you talked about is like am i doing good or am i doing bad it's like well y- you know direction matters more but also the question is it depends on
0: where you're going that's a great point
1: like am i am i closer am i far you know like well, why are you going this way? Because everyone else is going this way. Well, do you want to be like everyone else? Maybe, maybe not. But a lot of people just inherit this idea of, hey, I want to retire in my mid-50s and do this and quit work cold turkey and spend more time on the beach because they think that's what they want. But they haven't really done the internal work of deciding, hey, this is this is what I want. But but here's, a, here's the crazy thing about that, Justin, is this is why financial planning is not static. Because even if you and I sit here and say, hey, what does Justin want to do when he's sixty, we can theorize and build a pretty big game plan based on what we think is going to happen. And then we talk to Justin at age sixty; he's going to have a very different set of priorities than he thought than he thought he would today. Um, so, like even even this process, it's not a one time thing. There's a constant reorienting and retriangulating of making sure: Hey, is this still true? Is this still true? Is this still what I want? Because um, we change, we evolve, we uh, life happens to us, and we learn.
0: That's well put. And you know, at the end of the day, I joke with clients that if you want me to come up with a plan that allows you to die with the most amount of money possible, we can do that, right? I mean, we can we can create a plan where you work forever, you barely spend any money, and you just do that as long as humanly possible, and you work more hours, you spend less time doing other things that you enjoy doing. Uh, but again, you have to figure out what. What life do you want? What are your values, and you know where your treasure is. That's where your heart's going to be. So, how do you orient those things in the right way?
1: And Justin, we've uh, we've been going a little while. I can't remember what was the third point that you said. Of what is financial planning?
0: Figuring out the highest value technical things in your financial life and making excellent decisions around those.
1: Awesome. Tell me more.
0: Okay, so you know, early on we mentioned. Running retirement projections for a client of ours who's retired from Exxon Mobil, figuring out their Monte Carlo simulation and whether or not they can retire—you know—that's a that's something that we do, and it's it's part of it. But again, you know, you could you could do that in about ten minutes on a Google search and probably arrive at the correct answer. Uh, the higher value thing for that person and that person's family is us figuring out how do we lower their lifetime tax bill by a million dollars. That's drastically more valuable than telling that person, can you retire or not, when the answer is obviously yes. And so it's mapping out, well, what do we do with this NUA position now this year? How do we offset the higher income this year? How do we coincide that with charitable giving over the next 10 years? How do we organize that with future Medicare premiums going up based on their retirement income? How do we navigate social security decisions? And then, oh, we have some inherited assets coming this year, this year, and this year. How do we incorporate those into the tax plan and into their personal estate plan? So there's, you know, there's two doors with estate planning. One is what you inherit. The other is what you then give to your next generation. Uh, and so all of those things have seven-figure implications over the next 10, 20, 30 years. That is a drastically more valuable endeavor for us to figure out than, well, we've got this financial planning software. Let's click submit and have it print out a 30-page booklet.
1: That's exactly right. And like, e- if you go to the CFP board's website, Like if you look at the principal areas of financial planning, retirement savings and income planning is one of them. There's also estate planning. There's also tax planning. There's also investment planning. There's also risk management and insurance. And like, so a good plan considers all of these things in the interplay between all of them, right? Like if if you're just trying to tell somebody, can I retire? Should I save in a 401k? Then the answer is yeah, because then you'll be saving more if you don't. And then, you know, but if you're not considering the tax implications, you think about, okay, what if is these are your highest income earning years do you, or maybe maybe your income's going to go up should i do pre tax should i do roth should i save outside of the outside of those accounts cuz i'm going to start my own business and i need liquidity right like there's financial planning begins to happen when it's comprehensive right and you think about the interplay of all of these things uh and how they might impact one another and understanding the trade-offs there
0: that's good you know i also would point out that the cfp board's five areas of financial planning There is probably a different answer for what the highest value opportunity is if we're talking to five different people. And so just real briefly, a 40-year-old who has income in the top tax bracket, but they have three young kids, well, their highest value thing is not a scenario of, are you going to be able to retire when you're 60? By far, their highest value opportunity is making sure, do you have appropriate risk management coverage? Do you have a term life insurance policy, disability policies that will protect your family? Have we organized your five different avenues of saving and investing between HSA, 401k, after tax, uh, backdoor Roth, brokerage account? Are we getting that automated, moving it in the right direction? Uh, Jared, if we're talking to a business owner that you know has a, a taxable estate and, and we're dealing with a, a really large amount of money well, they certainly don't need the 30-page book. They certainly don't need the can you retire uh, software. Instead, they probably need to figure out how should I organize my estate? What assets should still be in my estate? What assets should not be in my estate? Should those be invested differently? Should they be invested the same? Uh, That's probably a much more pressing question. And so I think a good financial planning is figuring out, hey, what are the highest value areas? And, you know, we did say that there's 60 or even a hundred different things going on in your financial life. And our job is to help you make great decisions in all of those over a long period of time. But there is an element where, yeah, for every different person or family we talk to, there's going to be a few things that are really, really high stakes decisions and getting those right means something.
1: Totally. Right. It's, it's comprehensive it's dynamic. And here's the, th- that, that's the crazy thing is this financial planning is a process. So like, if you said, Hey, I did a financial plan five years ago, like you didn't, you projected a potential scenario that has been proven wrong in these last five years. And the person who you had, you, you had you prepare that and what you thought about the world and what your goals were are probably different and your situation and investment returns. All of those things have changed. So if you did a financial plan, you don't do a financial plan; you do financial planning. It's an ongoing process, right? So it adapts its comprehensive. It adapts with you as you, your goals, the world around you changes, and also you are at the center of it, right? So, you know, no, no—the goal is not product sales. The goal is not to slot you. The goal—the star is not some mutual fund manager or some private equity fund manager who you're going to get into the thing. The goal line is something that you define, right? And what a good advisor does is they help you balance the trade-offs of just optimizing your finances, right? There's there's two considerations. There's your present self and your future self. And so, you know, we don't want to jeopardize, you know, the the financially optimal thing is to save 100% of your income and just punish your present self. We don't want to do that. But we also don't want to, you know, spend 100% of our income and our, have our present self uh, ball out to the expense at the expense of our future self, right? So, good financial planning is you-centric. It kind of balances those trade-offs. It's comprehensive, so it, it understands, hey, how is everything connected? Uh, and it's also dynamic. It's a process. It, it it's going to go on, you know, as long as you live, which is which is exciting.
0: That's perfect. And I think we'll probably have some pretty good links in the show notes. Um, I know we've written some articles on some of these different topics we've discussed. Taylor Schulte has an awesome disclosure. If you're wondering, hey, my advisor or the different advisors I'm talking to, are they legally obligated to always be a fiduciary to me, or can they receive kickbacks commissions? We can attach his uh, disclosure that can be signed and stuff. And we've got a few articles on this. So should have some pretty decent show notes here as well.
1: What is financial planning to you? What is your goal line? We'd love to hear from you and we love ideas from uh, future episodes or feedback on the format. Uh, we always love the emails and we incorporate the feedback into future episodes. So love to hear from you. podcast at com. Thanks. We'll see you next time.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. You can subscribe or connect with us at com. Or send ideas for future episodes to podcast at brownleewealthmanagement.com. Thanks, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Nothing discussed during this show or episode should be viewed as investment, legal, and tax advice. If you have questions pertaining to your specific situation, please consult the appropriate qualified professional.